0: What's happening y'all welcome inside the fantasy stock exchange bush coming at you solo today to bring you some wide receivers to target and avoid in rookie drafts or if you've already had your rookie drafts just to go out and trade for we're going to be looking at what makes a wide receiver one in fantasy and how every rookie wide receiver stacks up based on these benchmarks and if that sounds confusing you can check out the running back video that I did already. And I'll also just explain more after the intro, but basically this should give you an idea of who you should be drafting in your rookie drafts. If you haven't had it yet. And if you already have had your rookie drafts, maybe go out, and trade for some of the guys that I highlight in today's video. So before we get into this, I just want to uh, say that there is timestamps. So if you guys want to just skip ahead to the end result, which is basically how the current wide receiver class stacks up against these metrics, go ahead and uh, check out the timestamps because I will be explaining the process first and then going through uh, the current class. But I do recommend watching the entire video. So if you enjoy this video at any point, as always, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below, and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Now let's hit the intro. Okay, so in the running backs video that I did on Wednesday, I think it was I tested RB ones from the years 2015 to last year and I basically outlined a bunch of analytics thresholds that are based on RB one finishers and in this video, what I'm going to be doing is testing wide receivers who had a season of 15 plus PPR points per game. So not necessarily wide receiver ones, but guys that were like borderline wide receiver ones, because there were some seasons where only nine wide receivers hit that mark. Some seasons, there was like 16 wide receivers that did it. And we wanted to see basically how these guys were as prospects so that we can evaluate them versus the current crop of wide receivers that we have. So if that made sense to you, again, uh, hopefully that did. But basically this exercise should help us create a roadmap for identifying sleeper wide receivers, also kind of mitigating some of the bust wide receivers because it's all about checking the boxes with these guys. If player X, wide receiver X, for example, checks all 10 boxes that I'm going to outline, then he's probably a good bet to make in rookie drafts. But if player Y only checks four out of the 10 boxes that I'm going to be outlining here, we should probably be more comfortable betting on player X and fading player Y. So that's kind of what we're dealing with here. And again, uh, hopefully you're able to make sense of this video. Hopefully it's not too confusing, but this is the data set of wide receivers who had 15 plus PPR points per game from 2015 to 2021. And they had to at least do this one time. So some of these guys were multi-time finishers of 15 plus PPR points per game, but these are the guys that did it at least once. So you guys can see some of the guys this year, Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase, Deontay Johnson, Mike Williams, T Higgins, Devontae Adams, etc. And then all the way back to some of the older guys like Jeremy Macklin and Eric Decker and guys like that. So There's a lot going on here, but first let me explain what the benchmarks are, what we're looking for, and how we can use them to evaluate this current crop. So there's 53 wide receivers in this sample. And like I said, they had to have had at least 15 PPR points per game or more since 2015. Our goal in this video is to see which has been the most predictive. Yellow means that they met the threshold that we're looking for. Green means that they exceeded the threshold that we're looking for. And red means that they did not meet the threshold that we're looking for. So the 10 thresholds, you guys can see them across the top. Of this table, but the first one is weight. Typically, we've seen light receivers bust at a high rate in the NFL. So, the threshold that I wanted to test first was how many wide receivers are above the weight of 190 pounds. And we wanted to see how predictive that was. So, for somebody to meet this threshold, they had to be above 190. For someone to exceed this threshold, they could have been above 210 pounds, and anybody below 190 would have missed this threshold. And, same goes for height. Similarly, uh, guys like Rondell Moore have scared the fantasy community off of short wide receivers. So we're going to check to see how many wide receivers cleared six feet tall. So if they were six feet or taller then they met this threshold, if they were six, two or taller, they exceeded the threshold. If they were shorter than six feet, they missed it 40 time. Also people want to know, does speed matter? Does being a four, four athlete mean anything, or does it, you just need to not be too slow necessarily. So I tested both things. I wanted to see if being too slow mattered being a four, six or slower. Or if being four, four, five or faster mattered. So I wanted to see both ends of the spectrum from that perspective. Another obvious one is draft capital. How much more likely are round one, round two, round three wide receivers likely to succeed versus day three or UDFA wide receivers? Number five was college dominator. This was basically um, for those of you that don't know what college dominator means. It's the percentage of their teams receiving yards from their most productive season in college. So the benchmark that I had for this number was 50th percentile. Most players have this available on PlayerProfiler.com If you want to check it out, 30% dominator rating is the aim that we're looking for. If they were above a 40% dominator rating, they exceeded this threshold. Number six was best season target share is the wide receivers, best seasons target share that they registered in their college career above the 50th percentile, which was 20, 22.0% target share this should filter out players basically that never commanded targets in college but at the same time doesn't knock a player for having his most productive season let's say as a freshman or as a sophomore rather than their draft eligible year as a junior as a senior or something like that number seven was best season yards per team pass attempt and again that kind of sounds confusing but all it means is that in their most uh, most productive season how many receiving yards did they have Relative to how many times their team threw the ball benchmark was 2.25 for this one, based on the number for the wide receiver sample that I looked at, that seemed to be a pretty common middle ground to get a good predictive number. And then number eight was, if you guys follow me on Twitter, um, you know, I got into it with Fusu Vu on Twitter, who basically lives and dies by early declares and I, t- I just asked him what you know what's your process on early declares he didn't really feel like telling me so I wanted to test that as well I wanted to see how many of these guys were early declares meaning they declared for the draft either as a true junior or as a redshirt sophomore they didn't see- stay for their redshirt junior season senior season redshirt senior season etc similarly number nine was their age coming out so when they were drafted how old were they And the number that I used, and I actually set the bar pretty low here, was 22 and a half. They needed to be younger than 22 and a half on draft day, the day that they were drafted. And I set that bar low because I didn't want to just, you know, look for guys that were 21 when they were drafted or 20 and a half years old because I didn't have a big enough number. So basically, this was a disqualifier to filter out players that were, quote, too old. And most juniors, most seniors should be younger than 22 and a half. The final metric was breakout age, which basically just means how old were they the first season that they achieved a 20% dominator rating, which again means 20% of their teams receiving production. My benchmark here was 20.0 years old, so they had to be under a 20-year-old breakout age, which is also about the 50th percentile. For that number. So these were the results here. And again, if this looks a little confusing, I'll show percentages in a second to make this easier to understand. But again, these numbers that you guys see 43, 44, 45, etc. These were out of 53 total players. Here's the results as a percentage, which makes it a lot easier to, um, you know, make sense of this is kind of how I expected it to shake out but I'm still glad I did this exercise because it serves to confirm how I currently evaluate prospects, what things I value most, because as of right now, it looks like I'm doing the the correct thing. So the most predictive metric was don't be too slow. 92.45% of the wide receivers that achieved 15 plus PPR points per game ran four, five, nine or faster, basically. So you you didn't need to be a blazer. You didn't need to run four, three, four, four. You just needed to not run slow. Four, six or slower would have gotten you in that, you know, seven percent that didn't meet this threshold. And I also wanted to test players who ran four, four, five or faster to see if running fast actually meant something. And it doesn't. 37% of the of the 53 wide receivers ran four, four, five or faster, basically just fully confirming the, the thought that I already had, which is running a fast 40 time does not equal fantasy production. It does not necessarily make you more inclined to be a fantasy-relevant wide receiver. You do not need to run fast to be a good wide receiver in the NFL. You just need to not run slow. Um, You'll notice also that the most important metrics after that speed disqualifier that we have at the top were pure production based metrics. So yards per team pass attempt, Target share and college dominator. All of those numbers ranked in the uh, the eighty percent range, and it makes a lot of sense because productive college players tend to be productive in the NFL as well. If you're wondering why we put such an emphasis on things like target share production for wide receivers when we were talking about them in the pre-draft process, this is why. It's because it's the most common trait among wide receivers who have been fantasy relevant, and those who ignore that history are bound to repeat it. So if you don't think that production matters, at the wide receiver position in college, you're wrong. I have legitimate proof to say that, you know, over 80% of these guys were productive receivers in college. So guys that are not productive, we want to perk our ears up and, and, you know, find out why necessarily. So if history tells us that production matters most overvaluing athleticism and things that aren't relevant would be probably foolish to do. So the next couple things that we have here were draft capital and size. Those things matter to some degree. Again, there were about 70 Five seventy percent of the way that they mattered. And again, there is going to be exceptions to that rule because we have guys like Tyreek Hill who are really small, didn't get drafted very high. Um, and some of those guys can skew that data. And then the final takeaway that I had from this is, um, sorry to the age truthers, but the age-related metrics, the three age-related metrics that I tested, breakout age, age under 22 and a half on draft day, and early declares. They mattered the least of the ones that I tested. They were the least predictive. That applies directly to guys like Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, and Christian Watson, who don't meet those thresholds for the most part, but are nitpicked for not meeting those thresholds, even though they meet everything else. So like I did for the running back position, I also wanted to narrow down the results of uh, multi-time 15-point-per-game finishers to see if you know, these guys had any differences in terms of their percentages, because these are the guys that we really want. When we draft the guy in a rookie uh, draft, we want the true dynasty asset multi-time 15 point per game score. We want that guy to be fantasy relevant for three, four, five, six years down the road. These are the wide receivers that we want to hit on when we're drafting rookies. And these were the 33 players that achieved 15 PPR points per game, multiple times from 2015 to 2021. You guys can see the the obvious cast of characters, Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs, Calvin Ridley, Adam Thielen, DeAndre Hopkins, Justin Jefferson in his young illustrious career has already done this twice. Just going to skim over this list too, because I don't want to make this video too long, but you can pause the video at any point. If you just want to look in depth on these names, there was 33, 15 PPR point per game scores. Both the running backs and wide receivers databases will be added to the Patreon. If you guys also want to check that out link to the Patreon is in the description, but these were the results of this one. Again, speed mattering, even less only 12 of these players of the 33 ran four, four, five or faster. So again, confirming that you do not need to be a super fast player to uh, be fantasy relevant and be very productive in the NFL. And on the percentages, there was a few changes that came up. We did see a nearly 10% increase across the board in the production-based metrics. Most of those numbers were in the 80% range before, now up near the 90, 95% range. So production mattered even more for these guys that were multi-time finishers. So again, being productive in college mattered a lot to being productive in the nfl especially being productive over the long term in the nfl and uh being too slow actually mattered a little bit less thanks to guys like keenan allen eric decker jarvis landry and cooper cup who all ran slower than four six at the combine so those guys you know kind of skewed the data a little bit basically giving hope to guys like david bell and justin ross who ran four six or slower age-related metrics mattered a little bit more in this sample for uh long-term sustainable production up near 60 percent 70 percent range but again not necessarily something that was overly, overly predictive. So the takeaway is pretty obvious. Uh, I've kind of highlighted it throughout this video. What I expected, and it's good to refine your process, make sure you're not missing something important, but production is king. Not age-adjusted production, not experience-adjusted production, just produce at any level, at any age, just produce. If you produce, then you have a good chance of success. Age-adjusted production matters, but if I have two sample prospects, Prospect one was productive early in his college career as a true freshman, but failed to progress further as a player versus a prospect who maybe struggled as a true freshman struggled a little bit halfway through his sophomore year, but then blew up as a junior blew up as a senior Give me the guy who can produce at a high level regardless. And give me the guy who also showed the ability to improve his game throughout his college career as he got more reps. And if you guys didn't just pick up on that, that's basically me comparing George Pickens to Jahan Dotson because those were the career trajectories they had. And I know George Pickens got injured, but he didn't progress his second year either. So if you skipped ahead to this part in the timestamps, this is where we directly apply what we've learned to the current crop of rookie wide receivers. These are the 10 metrics that we have here. And these are the rookie wide receivers in the order that they were drafted. Uh, There was a couple of names that I omitted because they don't have a lot of data on them. They also just stink as prospects. So the point value at the far right end of the column is basically how these guys stack up based on these 10 metrics. And I gave them a score where I valued anything that was green as three points, anything that was yellow as one point and anything that was red as minus two points. And you guys will probably realize why Drake London was my wide receiver. One, anything you can hold against Drake London is a film related, nitpicky type of uh, grievance. He's objectively an awesome prospect on paper, 28. Was his score here, which is very, very high. It's among the best prospects that you'll see, even of the guys that have already done this. Other green prospects that you guys can see here were Traylon Burks, who scored the highest in the most important areas as well, like production, size, draft capital. So I'm not worried about the fact that he didn't run faster than 455 or that he um, maybe had a little bit of a later breakout age. Like it, it doesn't really matter to me. Traylon Burks was productive and that's all that matters. And he's big and he was drafted highly. There's a couple analytics darlings here that also scored uh, green scores. Sky Moore for the Kansas City Chiefs and Wandell Robinson for the New York Giants also scored very well because they produced at a high level in college, but fall short really only in terms of size. Those were the only two metrics that they kind of missed. And uh, Sky Moore actually met the weight metric, but not the height metric. And of course, Wandell Robinson is five foot eight, so everybody wants to nitpick him for that. I think both of these guys are phenomenal values in rookie drafts right now, mid mid to late first for Sky Moore early second for Wondell Robinson. No, I'm not elevating Sky more because he's on Kansas City. I'm elevating him because he was already a good prospect and he's on Kansas City. So final green score was Khalil Shakir, actually, all the way down in the fifth round. Khalil Shakir, who I will keep shouting as the best value of any third round wide receiver that you're going to get in a rookie draft. I have drafted him three times so far in in rookie drafts. I'm only in six leagues and I've had all the rookie drafts uh, already and I've drafted him in 50% of my league. So I have a lot invested in Khalil Shakir because I think there is no chance that he should have fallen to round 5. I thought he was a round 3 wide receiver in the actual NFL draft and I think he's going to prove Buffalo right for taking the chance on him. A lot more yellow and green in the uh the wide receivers video as you guys will notice than I had in the running backs video and that's not by accident, right? We knew this wide receiver class was better than this running back class hence why we have a lot more good prospects versus the running back class. And I do want to draw your attention to, like I said earlier, Chris Alave, Jahan Dotson, and Christian Watson, because those three players have gotten dinged all draft process for not having the age-adjusted production and not being early declares and being productive as freshmen and stuff like that. At any age, all that matters is production. And if you're wondering how Christian Watson hits these metrics because he only had like 800 receiving yards this year, Remember that these are market share related stats. So while he only had 62 targets this season, those 62 targets was actually a 27.5% target share because NDSU just didn't throw the ball. And needless to say, this exercise actually opened my eyes a little bit on Christian Watson. And uh, I might be a little bit more in on him than I was before doing this. Uh, Let's just put it that way. So size is somewhat of a concern as well. At the top of the class, we have a lot of light prospects under 190 pounds, like Garrett Wilson, like Chris Olave, like Jahan Dotson, you know, like all these other guys that are at the top of the class here. Uh, But many of those guys are outstanding in other areas. So I'm not really holding the size against those guys too much. Looking at the most important metrics in the middle, uh, the production-related metrics, we can see that George Pickens, Alec Pierce, John Mechie, Vilas Jones, Danny Gray, and Eric uh, A I can't even say this guy's name, but it looks like these guys are bad bets to make because they didn't produce in college. And again, remember, these were the most important metrics that we looked at, the most predictive. Ranking that poorly in the most predictive metrics likely means I will be out on most of those guys. And I think most of you guys already knew that I was out on most of those guys. Between those six wide receivers, the only one that I've drafted is John Mechie and I drafted him in one of my six leagues. It happened to be our listener dynasty league, but I'm just, I, I'm not really in on most of these guys because they weren't very productive players ranking that poorly is, is just a big time red flag to me. Uh, a couple of round two values that you guys can get on guys, uh, wide receivers that are going in a round two of rookie drafts right now are David Bell and Jalen Tolbert. And it's not really a shock to me that either of these guys ranked highly because they were productive players. Unfortunately for David Bell, he's too slow, right? He was under uh he ran slower than a four, six, but he quite literally checked all nine other boxes. So other than being too slow, David Bell, he literally checked everything else and he was 0.1, Uh, target share away from being a green prospect, uh, a a score over 10 because he had a 29.99% target share in college, so in his best season. So this is a dude that should be on your draft boards in the early second round because he is a phenomenal value. Jalen Tolbert ranks terribly as an age prospect, right? Because he's an older prospect. He's like 23 years old. Didn't break out early, but he was productive his final two seasons. And he ranks borderline elite everywhere else, aside from the age-related metrics. Also looks like Romeo Dubes is a solid sleeper as well. I know a lot of you guys in the comment section talk about Romeo Dubes a lot. Kyle Phillips, Calvin Austin, not really that interesting to me. But yeah, that is it. That is the wide receiver class. I hope you guys enjoyed this video. I hope it was informative for you. Again, I will have uh, this data organized in the Patreon. For those of you guys that are members of the Patreon, um, the running backs and the wide receivers, I will organize that into one sheet, throw that up on uh, the Patreon as its own post. And I'm going to do that as soon as I'm done posting this video. So uh, keep a uh, lookout for that if you guys are Patreons. And also stay tuned on the Patreon because we are going to be um, launching databases for the 2023 class. So you guys can get a head start on the prospects that we have coming up in this college football season. Get ahead of your league mates, get an idea of what some of these 2023 first rounders are worth for sure. And uh, if you guys are interested in that, like I said, the Patreon is linked down below in the description, patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange. And also if you want our dynasty rankings, you can see where some of these guys were ranked for us. That is available on Patreon. Also available by using promo code FSE at underdogfantasy.com at sign up and first deposit. You'll get a hundred percent match back on whatever you put in by using our promo code. And you'll also get our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto totally as a free gift for using our code. Also check out the TikTok as well. We're going to be bringing some content over there this summer. Peace out, guys. We'll talk to you soon.